Hi, friends. Um, well, welcome to Spark. If you don't know who we are, uh, my name is Kevin. This is Pastor Danielle. And uh, 11 years ago, somewhere around the state, I believe it was October 12th, uh, we started this weird little experiment called Spark. And over the last 10 years, uh, on this weekend, we have taken a, a, a weekend like this to do crazy stuff like this and to feed you and to celebrate what God has done over that period of time. And if we're really honest, some of that celebration was, you guys came back. This is something Danielle has said on a regular basis, like, wow, we're actually still here. So after year one, after year two, after year three, it's like the experiment is kind of working. So it's been kind of a wonderful season of a decade of coming to October to celebrate the fact that we still exist. Like, yay for existence. So, Can we just, if you were here for our very first event, which was with Rabbi Moshe, um, and it was about understanding the time of Jesus, and Rabbi Moshe and I spoke together. If you were here for that event, you can raise your hand. Is anybody here? So it's been a pretty wild and crazy journey, and it's been wonderful, and and it's been fantastic. So we want to thank you all. But it's been 10 years. And so we're shifting the gears a little bit. We're not doing a celebration. Hey, it's our birthday. Congratulations, we still exist. (laughs) We're wanting to do something very, very different today. I I shouldn't say very different because much of what you're going to hear is honestly very consistent with hopefully what you've already experienced. The last years. And what we have been talking about for the last 10 years. But what we are doing is solidifying and clarifying our vision and our strategic plan what it is that we want to accomplish, and how in the world are we actually going to get there. And we're going to do so by establishing kind of this state as a revisitation of all of these things that we think are really critical, important, the things that we hold dear, the things that we feel like God is calling us to do. And instead of looking back at the 10 years and saying, look at how wonderful it's been that we've been around, we're (laughs) using this now time, a shift, to look forward What is the thing that we really need to accomplish? Uh, The ailments of the world, how are we going to respond to those? What are the problems of humanity that we really need to address? And why should a church exist? And what programs, offerings, benefits, values does a church actually provide for people for whom they are a part of a church like this? So that's what we're doing today. We're going to cast our vision and our strategic plan And uh, before we do that, I've asked Darren Liu, who's on the board, to come forward and do uh, some words, share a couple of thoughts or reflections, if he has any, and to open us in a word of prayer. Woohoo! Welcome, Darren. I have no thoughts or words, just a prayer, because that's what was asked. (laughs) Just the prayer. Good. But let's pray, if you would join me. Jesus, we're grateful for your faithfulness to us all over the years, from how you led Danielle and Kevin at the beginning of Spark, and then how you are leading us today. And as we hear about the vision and strategy for Spark, help us to be more aware of what you are doing in and through this community. Help us understand how each of us can love you and love our neighbors more. And as we endeavor to follow hard after you, we offer you our love and our lives. This is our sacrifice and our worship. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Darren. Wonderful. 
All right, so here are two documents. The charter document I'd like to cover very, very briefly because nothing has changed since the beginning regarding the charter. <clears throat> These two documents answer essentially three questions. There's more, but essentially three questions. Why do you exist? Why should you be around? That's the charter document. Then the vision and the strategic plan is going to answer two additional questions. What do you do, and how are you going to get it done? Those are the basic three questions that we are answering and addressing. And as I mentioned, so we have some new branding. It's all up on the website and all that kind of stuff. But that's what these documents are intended to do. And the reason why we're sharing all of this with you is because a church is not two people or ten people on leadership. The church is everybody. Yeah. And as you hopefully hear and resonate with some of what we share, it is our prayer that something stirs in your heart about this place, about this community, and about what your contribution may be. So let's start with the charter document. Again, nothing's changed in 11 years. This has been the beginning, the middle, the end, and will continue to be the exact thing that we are about, the answer to the question, why do you exist? Our mission, everybody please say it out loud with me, is to inspire people to live the way of Jesus. That is our mission. Everything that we do is encompassed in that statement, and that statement informs everything else that we do. And hopefully the vision and strategic plan and all the values help to illuminate further what exactly does that mean. Because, as you know, words can be somewhat ambiguous, they can be interpreted, and the rest of the document is intended to clarify exactly what that means. Can, can we go back for one second? Can we just explain the frame, the way, just to give a couple little hooks really quick? Why do we love that phrase so much, and what do we mean by the way? Well, there are two main reasons why we chose this particular mission statement at the beginning. Number one, uh, 11 years ago... <clears throat> Imagine a time when churches behaved bad badly. Just imagine. I know it's hard. But think about a time when churches did not behave appropriately. And there were several people who... There were several people in our community who felt like the church, capital C Church, over the global but much more local to American context, was claiming the title Christian and using words like follow Jesus, etc., but their actions and their behaviors seemed incredibly disparate or even dissonant and contradictory to at least what we understood to be the teachings that Jesus actually held. And so in some ways, the, the Jesus thing got co-opted into a different kind of thing, even though they were using all the Christian language. And so one of the reasons why the clarification came is because, okay, we're using the name Jesus and very similar to a commandment that you might have heard. There's 10 of them. Uh, Thou shalt not carry the name of the Lord thy God in vain. You are taking the name and using it profanely. You're using it not in the way that was intended to do. And so by adding the phrase, the way of Jesus, we were trying to really focus in. Yes, we are following the person, but there was a whole system, whole worldview, a whole way of living that Jesus was advocating that we wanted to ensure that we did not lose when we elevated the name of Jesus. Is there anything else you wanted to? Yes, and, all that and. Um, I don't know if you're aware, but early followers were first called followers of the way, 
and they were referred to not as Christians in a positive light, like that was actually like sort of a slur, a slur that was given, but people of the way. And Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And also, in order to follow a rabbi in a rabbinic discipleship system, it meant that you followed the rabbi's way. So it wasn't enough to just go, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Jesus. It was something you had to say, I'm going to imitate the life and the teachings and the commandments of this person that I claim to follow. It's not enough to just check a box and say, I'm a Christian, I want to follow Jesus. I said this short prayer, and that is fire insurance, and I don't now have to worry. I can just get my golden ticket and go to that lovely amusement park in the sky. It is that when you do that, you are saying... I want to imitate Christ's way in this world. Knowing full well we'll fail at it, but we wanted to inspire people to say, wow, the way of Jesus could change everything, and we want to be people who are trying to follow him, and we want to make sure we're doing that in actual practical living out of Christ's commands. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so we codified you. that in five core values, love, reputation, reconciliation, rescue, and resurrection, that we have articulated over and over and over again. If you've uh, we're not here at the very beginning in the first year or two. We encourage you actually to go back and listen to probably seven, eight, nine months worth of messages that we taught just on these core values to give us some foundation and some grounding. And you wanted to share some reflections on this. Yes. So uh, 12 years ago, about this time, uh, we were in Puerto Vallarta, like that sounds ridiculous to me, but somehow that happened. And we were at a rooftop bar, and there was 80, 80s music pounding, and we were trying to figure out what are we going to do, um, and where do we see Jesus calling us? And we sat down and said, well, what are five words, core values, that we feel like define the life of Jesus and the life of Christians and the life that we see that Christ is calling us to, the way? And these are those five words. So the first one is love. Uh, we sat there on that rooftop bar, and on a napkin, we wrote the word love. Now, you can guess all the reasons why we wrote the word love, but I want to tell them to you because I love love. All right, so the first one is that Jesus says God is love, right? The Bible tells us God is love. Jesus talks about how God is love. Jesus talks about how we are to love God with all of our heart and soul and mind, to love our neighbors ourselves, and yes, also love our enemies, that God loves us. That is the very, that's just crazy to me that from the very beginning we see over and over again this God that just loves God's people and that over and over again in the book of Deuteronomy it will say, I have given you a covenant of love is how we translate it in the English and I just think that sometimes in how often it is repeated in Deuteronomy sounds to me like a Barry White song in my head, like covenant of love, like to avail. Like I've always heard just God just loves us. And as we would read through, and I, I teach through the Bible uh, from Genesis through Revelation in a very short period of time, it's a class called Garden to Garden, and I've been doing it for over a decade, uh, 15 years now, I think. And every time I'm amazed at how it constantly just seems like God's just like, I just love you. And so we wanted to make sure that people who came to Spark understood that they were loved, period. Not but, not if, not if you only, just God loves you, period. And that there's nothing we could do to ever get God to love us more. There's nothing we could do that would cause God to love us less. God just loves us. And that, you know, quick little Bible verses like John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's, we just put those up on a sign like that's just casual news. But God so loved the world. 
and so loves the world. And so everything that we do at Spark is founded on a belief that we are loved by the creator, that all of us together are equally loved by the creator, that God so loved us that he sent Christ, that sent Jesus to be in our life, and that we are to live that life, extending that love to everyone we meet, no matter what, all the time, as best we can, and we'll totally fail at it. So where our first value is like all the love and also with the humility to know that it's just bigger than our understanding and greater than we will ever fully be able to articulate. That's our value, love. God loves you, and we are called to love one another. Next is reputation. Now, the symbol we have for reputation is a Torah scroll. And the reason why is because of this. In the book of Exodus, God has set the Israelites free. And so this is a book, the second book in the Bible, and it's part of the Torah, the first five books of God's word. I want to say law, but it's not what Torah means, instructions or guidance, as well as law. So in that book, they're in Egypt, they've been exiled out, and now, and I don't know if you know this, people are behaving badly. It's never happened in the religious community before, but people are grumbling and complaining. And so God says to Moses, let me, like, get, let me destroy them. Get out of my way. Let me, let me destroy them. And then I will make you a great nation. And Moses' response is, yeah, but what will they say about you in Egypt? And that cracks me up every time. What about your rep, God? What will they say about you? The Egyptians will be like, your God wasn't mighty enough. He brought him out to the desert to die. He couldn't be strong enough. Like, what will they say about you in Egypt? He doesn't say, remember your covenantal promises with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He doesn't say, yes, thank you very much. I would like to be a nation. Very good. He doesn't say, he says, what about your rep? And I think it's so fantastic that Moses is concerned about what the Egyptians will say about God. And so we try to live and teach at Spark in such a way that honors the long history. So whether or not we're dealing with Mesopotamia or ancient Egypt or ancient Babylon or or Greco-Roman culture or first century Judean culture or whatever it might be, we want to teach in such a way that honors God's reputation in our community and elevates the reputation of God in our community. We want people to look at Spark and say, I want to know more about God. Next is reconciliation. We have a core value of reconciliation because we believe we've been given the ministry of reconciliation by Christ, that Christ has reconciled us to God and called us to be reconcilers one into another. This is hard work, and it expresses itself in a variety of different ways at Spark, but we see that this is part of the work of Jesus' followers, reconciliation work. And we try to live that out in a variety of different ways, in very small-scale ways and large-scale ways here at Spark. Then we have our rescue value. Our rescue value is that we believe we have been rescued from slavery, from sin and death, and we believe in a God who rescues, and now that the function of that rescue is for us to extend that rescue to others. So we want to find ways to bring rescue and alleviation in the world. I was recently asked, why the word rescue? Why not just like sort of charitable work or giving or something? It's like, because I feel an immediacy to this. If my neighbor is hungry, then I need to bring rescue more immediately than just a, what would be a nice idea. So we do a lot of work here to welcome refugees, 
um, welcome immigrants, welcome people that we might consider strangers to bring poverty alleviation, and also, yes, racial justice and all of the work that is found in that value. And then the last one is resurrection. We believe in a physical resurrection of the dead. We believe that Christ was resurrected from that tomb. And therefore, we at Spark, we live resurrection-shaped lives. We believe that the life that we are in right now lowercase r resurrection, can be shifted and changed, that we are new creations in Christ. Right now, you and I have a chance through Christ to live a very different life than the one we lived just yesterday. And we believe in the capital R resurrection, that we will be reunited, that God has a plan to rescue and to restore and to resurrect God's creation and to reconcile it back to God's self because God deeply loves us and longs to be with us. Those are our values. Fantastic. So all that is codified in our charter document in addition to why is our church called Spark? What are some additional commitments such as intergenerationality or the reason why we have kids lead us in worship and other things as well? So all of that is there. Today, uh, in addition to the charter document, we're now introducing a brand new document entitled Our Vision and Strategic Plan, which will hopefully be a good guide for us over the next several years. These are the things that we're going to focus on. We've never really published a vision statement before, but as we put it up, after you heard what Pastor Danielle just mentioned, this will be zero surprise to any of you. <laughs> so hopefully this will just clarify and help to put into some terms a little bit of what we want to see. Again, the charter document and the mission statement answers the question, why do you exist? The vision statement answers the question, what do you want to do? Here it is, my friends, our vision. Spark is a church where people experience God's love, mature in discipleship, connect in community, and do good works so that all may experience a new life in Christ. You can pay attention to the colors. Those are intentional. <laughs> so hopefully none of this is a surprise, but this is the thing we want to see. Now, I would like to take a very brief moment to contrast that with another potential vision that we could have had. Spark wants to be the most impactful church in Silicon Valley in the 21st century. <sighs> or not, not that there's anything wrong with that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. Or our vision is to grow to a certain number or to have a certain level of influence. And we wrestled with a lot of this stuff. And many of you are part of organizations that have these kind of measured goals. And that's totally reasonable and fine and understandable. I think the reason why I mention that to you is to give a little bit of a contrast. Again, as Danielle said, all of those are fine, and we, we are really a no-judgment kind of a zone. But the contrast is helpful to understand and to clarify, who, who are you really? What is it that you're really trying to do? And if you notice, there's nothing in this vision statement about numbers or size or growth. Because one of the things that we talked about at the very beginning of Spark, and we talked about it extensively with our leadership and our board, we highly value and want to ensure that we are working very hard at being a healthy church. And growth will just happen as it happens. Healthy things grow. Healthy things grow. So we value tremendously being healthy. And we can explain a lot about this isn't this time, but we can explain further what does a healthy church look like and mean. This vision statement is one expression of that. To say that 
a church should be a place, or at least spark will and needs to be a place where people truly experience God's love. Spark is a place where people truly grow in their relationship with Jesus, want to learn more about what discipleship is, and become a better follower of Jesus as a result of having been a part of our community. Loneliness is perhaps one of the biggest problems that I wish we could tackle just with an easy button, but you can't do that. The way you do that is through a community. And by talking about and creating environments and experiences by which people can truly connect and find home and belonging and a place where you go, I'm with people who know me and who love me. And of course, to do good works. And we're going to say do good works. If you've been in Christianity or, or theology discussions for a long time, you know that the phrase do good works is somewhat controversial. In some particular arguments, no controversy here. We want you to do good works. We want us to be the kind of church where good is happening in the world. And all that because we want to see everyone experience a new life in Christ. There are some verses in here that we would like to read for you that become essentially the grounding phraseologies, the grounding passages. Embrace, uh, experience God's love. This, oh man, this is such a beautiful verse. Ephesians 3.14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, as you are being rooted and grounded in love, I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. If you ever have questions about that, by the way, go see Pastor Omer and Christine and ask to see their arms, for they have it tattooed on their bodies. They can explain that later. Yes, sorry I called you guys out. <clears throat> but it's a beautiful expression. How wide, how long, how deep is the love of Christ? And so here it is. We want everyone at Spark to experience this unconditional, overwhelming, and spiritually transformative love of God found in Jesus Christ. Love is our business. Uh, next, we have our vision continuing and mature in discipleship. And so we have a little snippet here from, Mark, uh, from Matthew chapter 4, talking about discipleship and a moment of discipleship. You see, this all comes into a system that existed in Jesus' day and beyond, uh, but it's one that we're not, our ears aren't tuned to in our current cultural setting. So as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, this is Jesus, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. Immediately they dropped their nets and follow him. And as he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. He called them. Immediately they leave the boat and their father and follow him. We've talked about this quite a bit at Spark, but essentially what we want you to note is that if any one of us had been out in the work with our parents and some random dude had just walked by and said, hey, come follow me and leave your parents to do all the work. Uh, my parents would not have been big fans of that move, right? So instead here, of course, we have parents who are going to go, yes, go. We want you to go and study with a rabbi who's already been healing people, who's already been teaching and drawing large crowds. This is like the best thing. It's like, you know, 
Steph Curry coming up, seeing you shooting hoops in your driveway and saying, I think you've got what it takes. Come hang out with me. And everybody's like, go, get out. Like, it's Steph Curry. Andy loves Jesus. Bonus. Like, great basketball. loves Jesus. Okay, go. And so this concept of being a disciple of Jesus is that full imitation of Christ. And we recognize this is hard work. So we're going to be continuing to look at ways into how to understand the way of Jesus and how do we do it together. In community. Yep. So we want everyone at Spark to study, to learn, and to grow in their understanding of what it really means to follow Jesus. So discipleship is our work. There's multiple passages that we could pull from, I suppose. This is uh, just one that kind of uh, encapsulates in Paul's words what does it really mean to, to be in community, to be connected, and the value of that. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are all members of one another. Uh, that sense of belonging is something that we will hopefully continue to teach about and continue to communicate and continue to foster, and churches, have, uh, churches are human institutions. We have our foibles, we have our sins, uh, we have our own emotional baggage that we need to uh, work with, and so sometimes connecting with other people across those divides can be challenging. But these passages and others talk about how we actually belong to one another. Yeah. And that belonging is critical to our community. Not just that you are a member, but that you recognize that that person who sits in the room with you may not share actually a lot of the same ideas that you have, may not see the world in the same way, uh, have, has interpreted sermons that they've heard from Spark in completely different ways, right? <laughs> you belong to one another and we are needed and we are valued equally. So we want everyone at Spark to experience meaningful connection, true belonging, and a sense of home. Community is the culture we hope to produce. And I love this phrase of home because this is actually a phrase that we've heard several Sparkers say. That when we found Spark, we felt like we were at home. And that has been just amazing music to our ears. Because that is essentially what we want to accomplish and what we want to see happen. Can I just add for two seconds because I'm a preacher. Um, what's so amazing about this idea is not that it's new or something. I mean, I think every church on earth is like, we should probably have good community, right? Like, that's the whole point, right? It's to gather together and be together. This is not a new spark thing, and it's not a new thing we'll be doing at spark. But when we read the scriptures, when we read our text, we are actually connecting into a community that's thousands of years old, and we're also connecting to our community right now, and we're connecting into our community that is to come. And we're connected into a community, not just locally within these walls at this particular hour on a Sunday, but into a global community around the world of people who are trying to follow Jesus together, seeking out God's presence together. So my two seconds is this morning I was preaching at a church and I've been assigned Matthew, uh, Mark 15, which is a heavy whole chapter on just the crucifixion of Jesus. And if you'll remember on the cross, Jesus says, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is Greek. And then anyway, it's Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But when you read Psalm 22, and it's all this angst and violence that has been suffered and chaos and difficulty and, and, and horror truly happening to the psalmist, to this voice, and to Jesus on the cross. As you continue to read it, go home and read it. The, the person saying the psalm anticipates a community listening to it and honors and calls out in the middle of the psalm ancestors, 
present audience and an audience to come that will experience God's faithfulness. When we talk about community, this isn't just about times when we find other people that share an interest or can do the fun things of life together. When we talk about community at Spark, we're talking about people that can sit with us in the Psalm 22 moments too and can know us well and honor and hold space for all of life's experiences. Our vision continues in our do good works. Matthew 25, 34 through 36. I don't know, Sparkers, have you heard this verse ever before? Sorry. The joke is, of course, we've only been talking about Matthew 25 for weeks on end. And you thought to yourself, I've been at a church before where they've covered it on a Sunday, but not for six weeks. <laughs> and I still feel like, pastoral team, you had more to teach us and we could, we could continue to teach more. Um, the king says to those at his right hand, this is Jesus teaching, come, you are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you welcomed me in. I was naked, you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me and I was in prison and you visited me. These are the works that are expected, commanded of Jesus' followers. And as we talked about several times along the way, this is what we are to do now. Not to wait And we don't do it to get into heaven. We do it because in doing so now, we meet Jesus. And we are transformed. And we do it because we're Christ's disciples. And we do it because it's the very essence of what it is to be a follower of Jesus, is to do some good in the world for those around us. We want our church to be good, to do good for ourselves, our neighbors, our world. I would add even yes, please, Jesus' teachings, those we might perceive as enemies. We are to do good all week long, and good works are our product here at Spark. All right, would you mind saying this out loud together with us? Our vision. Spark Spark is is a church church where where people people experience God's love, mature in discipleship, connect in community, and and do good works so that that all may experience a new life life in Christ. How's that sound, friends? Sounds good. I like that. Can I go here? (laughs) The pastor would like to go here. Yeah, I'm going to go here. Okay. Okay. We did joke years ago that we needed to start a church. A group of us wanted to start a church we wanted to go to. Does that sound? But like when, when you're all here, you're making home for us too. You are church for us too. This is... You are my family. This is where I come. I've actually had an argument with the board about this because I I say to this board member, thank you so much for being here because without you, Spark wouldn't exist. And this board member says to me, without you, Spark wouldn't exist. And we argue back and forth. No, without you, Spark wouldn't exist. (laughs) And it's this beautiful uh, relationship and resonance. Okay. I don't want to spend too much time on this particular piece because it's a little bit more detailed and logistical and administrative, but I want to at least let you know some of the things that are coming down the pike and to see how it kind of works. Again, what do you want to accomplish? How are you going to get it done? There are only three things we need to do to accomplish that vision. Just three. (laughs) They're so easy. No, they're simple. They're simple, but not easy. Number one, we need to develop and support competent ministry caretakers. People first. First, who, then what. That is a fundamental principle of organizational ideas, 
and of course health. So first who, then what? So we need to take care of the people and we need to get competent ministry caretakers who will really carry this vision, carry the values and live it out and with their skill set deploy environments and experiences for that to happen. Number two, we ensure sustainable operations with a financially generous and a fiscally conservative philosophy. I'm going to explain what financially generous and fiscally conservative means, if you can actually even say that. Sometimes it's a little bit of a tongue twister. But it's a way of saying we need to take care of our money and we need to take care of it well, our resources. And then the third thing that we do is we need to create environments and experiences through which our vision is realized. Guess what? For all of you in this room... This is an environment and hopefully a positive experience (laughs) by which this vision becomes realized. Your small groups, ultimate Frisbee on Friday, your volunteering for PATH, all of these things are environments and experiences by which the vision is realized. And so environments and experiences are the things that we actually produce, and that's the container by which all of this comes about. So again, very briefly... Here are some things that we want to give you a heads up on. Some of this will be familiar, and some of it will be perhaps hopefully new. We have some goals. We want to establish an intergenerational ministry for families, youth, and adults. This is something that we've actually wanted for a long time, and then COVID hit. So we got disrupted and, and kind of had to get our bearings straight. We want to ensure that all of our ministries are of a consistent quality, and we want to encourage all volunteers to serve with enthusiasm, joy, and fulfillment. That is really important to the health of our organization. Uh, well, if you've been to a volunteer training, I've talked extensively about burnout and making sure that we protect against that because churches do have a tendency to say, warm body, do things as long as you are still alive till Jesus, Jesus comes. comes back. So. Um, when we say enthusiasm, joy, and fulfillment, we're talking about healthy, sustainable volunteerism. So part of, our, um, part of the way we need to do this is we need to hire an intergenerational, a pastor of intergenerational ministries. This is actually something the board's been working on and something that we are attempting to push forward. A lot of work involved with that. Again, the questions and the decisions that you make regarding who you hire is really, really critical. Somebody who knows Spark, somebody who embraces the values, somebody who can actually get the work done, etc., We need to overhaul all volunteer teams, visions, and responsibilities. We've been, over the last 10 years, so grateful. I cannot emphasize how grateful those of you who have stepped up to the plate and have volunteered in various areas, such as hospitality and radical welcome and the prayer team, et cetera. Just list goes on and on. And what we want to do is focus in on all of those and really now ask ourselves the question, how is the vision and the sustainable practices that we have carried through in each and every one of those particular groups. And as our church has grown and our small groups are now reaching 30 to 40 members, (laughs) we want to onboard five new small group leaders so that we can have sustainable and real connections within those particular groups. And I should just know, in case all of a sudden you just thought to yourself, oh, I might be interested in that, but my home's too small. We have sparked space now. Yay. So that is available for small groups to meet in as well. So that's our, that's our goal, and these are some of the key objectives that we're hoping to attain over the next weeks and months and years ahead. Number two, we want to ensure uh, sustainable operations with a financially generous and fiscally conservative philosophy. So we need to balance the budget. You've heard a little bit about that over the period of time that we've uh, been around, and we need to establish uh, an organization-wide philosophy, philosophical consistency. Debbie would like to share some uh, reflections on some of these key bullet points. Yeah, come on up, Debbie. Debbie, our executive director, everybody. 
and explaining further some of these key objectives. Awesome, thank you. So and we're talking about these two goals that help Spark Church's operations stay healthy and sustainable as we support this vision, right? As a resident bean counter here, I'm the first to tell you that as a church, the focus should never be finances. It's truly about inspiring people to live the way of Jesus, and I'm proud of the work this community does to help make that dream a reality. However, money is sort of like air. Like, you don't need to focus on it, but if you don't have it, it's kind of hard to focus on anything else, right? So just let's make sure we have enough air to breathe. Yes? So the two goals on this slide are about balancing the budget and showing up philosophical consistency in how we use our financial resources. So first and foremost, we want to increase annual giving by about $200,000 a year on average in order to balance the budget meaning that our income for the year matches that year's expenditure. That will help us sustain our programs and ministries here without dipping into our rainy day fund. We do have savings, uh, but if we run a deficit this large year after year, we'll run out of those savings around four to five years from now. So we'd rather save those funds for growth in the community or true emergencies than to use it to cover a deficit. That means on top of the very generous additional giving by this group through our sustainability campaign, we also want to bring in somewhere between like 15 and like 35 households that are giving depending on how you slice it. So please consider us for your annual financial giving plans and also please tell others that Spark is here, right? And that we're a welcoming place for those who are looking for a church community and we'd be happy to have them come check it out and see who we are. On top of increased annual giving, we'd also like to look at our rescue fund policies, making sure that our rescue committee, board, and leadership are aligned on how Spark gives to both nonprofit organizations and private benevolence to spark our households in need of emergency funds for things like rent or medical bills. We'll take a look at our staffing allocation as well. Personnel costs account for about 44% of church expenditure, which is a healthy percentage overall. However, within the staff hours that we do pay for, we may need to pull from some other hours to pay for staff hours in other areas of desired focus, such as intergenerational ministry, children and youth programs, and community life. Finally, let's continue to train all team members who use our financial resources on our financially generous, fiscally conservative policy. So we are financially generous in that we don't skimp on people and our values. For example, we purchase high-value, eco-friendly products for our hospitality service. We tip our vendors generously. And we booked an amazing retreat venue as an investment into the spiritual health of our community. However, we are fiscally conservative as well. I will scrounge for that online coupon for those eco-friendly hospitality products. And believe me, I am very good at getting that coupon, okay? We run all proposed large expenditures like tenant improvements, uh, with our leadership before purchase. If you bought us five jars of peanut butter, I will find a way to use all of them, right? We are not wasteful. We take our finances yeah. very seriously here, right? Thank you, Debbie. Yeah. Beautiful. I cannot tell you what a, a gift Debbie has been. It's just been absolutely phenomenal. Yes, and just the, uh, yes, I get to... I get to hang out with Debbie most often, and it is a joy constantly. And we've actually known each other for many, many years, but now we get to really work together all the time. And one of the portions of her job that is difficult to do is to be a tenant. 
And she has negotiated that with grace and care and support so that she is beloved by everybody in this building. And I'm very grateful for you, Debbie. Also, if you have questions about the budget, the finance, or things, talk to Debbie. She is happy and loves to tell you all the things. There's no secrets here at Spark, and you can come and ask all those questions. And I don't know if you heard how wonderfully fantastic our financial subcommittee has been and your leadership, Kevin, and Debbie, to make sure that we're actually, while we have now stretched into a space that we want to grow and extend into, we have a lot of savings. And the reason why that is is because of all of you and God's generosity and management. So thank you all for doing such a great job. All right, finally, we want to, so again, develop and support competent ministry caretakers. That's number one, first two. Uh, take care of the finances. Debbie did a, I, I love that. I didn't know what Debbie was going to say. I agreed with all of that. It was fantastic. <laughs> and number three, create environments and experiences through which our vision is realized. So there's a couple goals that we have here because we do have this space and because we want to create more environments and experiences. Number one, spark all week the active usage of our space by the community and provide community opportunities for all sparkers. And I think, Debbie, did you have some additional comments that you had on the spark all week piece? Um, We're looking into a space committee and additional space managers who can think about who we're inviting into spark space and what programs they offer, right? We'd love at least five more reoccurring programs to have their home here in the building. So things like Lego night with Tony or some sort of like a bagel club or like a book club or a, retirees get together or anything that could really use this space, you know, morning, afternoon, and evening, right? We'd love to see those things uh, grow here. We want more outreach to our local neighbors as well to get new sparkers into this community so people can enjoy this space. Uh, also, our two-year lease has, that we signed this summer with Congregation at Saim, for the first time in our history, allows Spark to have paid subtenants as well. Right? So if you know any private music teachers or other potential tenants for Spark, please send them my way, and we'll welcome them in, too. Good for the community all week long. That's our aim. Uh, so those are our three things and uh, that we are going to be attending to over the next several uh, months and, and really years ahead. And we're looking forward to really installing each and every one of those things and, and being able to check that off the list and say, yes, we got to this particular point. This is Far from complete, but I wanted to give you a glimpse. People testify. We will have succeeded when people testify to a deepening of their relationship and commitment to Jesus. We will have succeeded when people testify to their experience of God's love through Spark. When people testify to their sense of belonging. When broken relationships are reconciled and healing processes are in operation. When the hungry are fed, the sick are visited, the naked are clothed, when the communities around Spark value our presence and our work, when our finances are well-balanced, when our children and our youth actually want to be here, and where parents can find resources, support, and encouragement, and far, far more. This is our vision, my friends. We want to be a church where people experience God's love, mature in discipleship, connect in community, and do good work so that all may experience a new life in Christ. The strategic plan pieces are very important. The hiring, the staffing, the budget, all that kind of stuff. The trick for any organization and community is to not let the to-dos get in the way of the why and the purpose. So that's why we're spending this time to share with you why 
we exist, what it is that we really want to accomplish, and all that other stuff is really just steps towards getting there. And if we accomplish those steps, but we miss out on that vision, then we will have failed. So our vision cast to you, my friends, is for you to embrace this and to say, yes, this is who we are. And we're going to do things. We've got to submit a budget, receipts. We're going to build a thing. We've got to put it on the website, all that stuff. But all of that is just merely the pedestrian work that you have to do to get here. This is what we want to accomplish. This is public. Everything's online. It's now available for you to download. We encourage you to take another read through and pass through. <coughs> After you've heard this, it's helpful to just kind of see it in a document. And then, of course, our invitation to all of you is to just perfectly consider how God might be calling you to help us fulfill this vision. Because as I argued with my board member, this church would not exist Amen. without you. And your million and one contributions to the life of this body is a blessing far beyond any words. Your mere presence in our service, the connections and hellos you say to brand new people, your opening of your home to small groups, you're rallying people around to play Frisbee. You're dancing in the front savannah now. <laughs> Every time you embrace a little child and say, we're so glad you're here. Every time you write a check. Every time you call a pastor or a friend to say, I, I need some prayer. The million and one ways you contribute is what makes this church spark and is what realizes our vision. So thank you for doing that over the last 10 years. And we are just asking, how might God be calling you over these next 10? We'd now like to take this time to invite you all to the table, the table that we've been gathering around for 11, now going into our next 11th year, but also for 2,000 years as a community. For in the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread, blessed and broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Friends, all are welcome at this table.